0: Thank you. Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster. Each week my co-host is Charlie Beckett, a professional rugby player, and this is a place you come if you like to hear fans talking about professional wrestling. So much going on in the world of pro wrestling. Charlie, we've not done a fresh episode for a couple of weeks because injuries, trains, planes, automobiles, whatever it may be, but we're
1: back. Yes, we haven't done one for three weeks, and this definitely isn't the third time we've tried to start this one today, because my wi is playing up, and I've had to move to another part of the house. I'm, I'm, we've been over 10 minutes, and we've got 20 seconds worth of stuff now.
0: I'm not going to say that this podcast is jinxed in the month of June, but we have had holidays, broken wrists, and Wi-Fi issues, so we are determined that this episode is going to happen, so Charlie's moved to a place we can hear him, I've got my wrist all plastered up, and we are good to go. Remember, you can be in touch with us about anything you hear on the podcast. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. i I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. Charlie, let's get right into this and start with the return of Brock Lesnar. He made his comeback on SmackDown and we now know the SummerSlam main event.
1: Yeah, so it was a surprise. I did not expect to see him Brock at the end of uh, SmackDown. (sighs) I'm excited to see Brock back. I love Cowboy Brock. This is the best character Brock Lesnar's been. You can see he's having the best fun. You can see you get the best out of him because he's enjoying it. I'm not excited for Brock Roman again. And this is, I tweeted this, this is the absolute pinnacle of the issue WWE have created themselves of. They've booked Roman so strongly, which I'm all for. I'm all for a strong champion. And anyone who listens to this podcast knows how much a Roman Reigns fan I am and the uh, this, this incarnation of Roman Reigns. But along the way, they had to be thinking about booking someone other than Brock Lesnar who can compete with him. And also, the only reason Brock Lesnar can is because he's Brock Lesnar. Like he's beaten him twice. He's beaten him quite convincingly. Like it's only because he's Brock Lesnar, he's the beast incarnate. So you can book people to the point where they can compete, but they haven't, and they're in a real issue here because I don't see how they get themselves out of this unless Roman either retires retires the belts or they use Money in the Bank properly. But they haven't used Money in the Bank properly for years, so. It'll be a good match. It'll be fun to watch. I'm not that excited about it because we've seen it. I know it's a last-man-standing match, but we've seen Roman Brock, I think, like 12 times before now. So, yeah, yeah, I I would love to see Brock come back and go into a fresh feud with someone You and maybe use him to get someone over or build someone's credibility. But instead, we're just running it back with Roman again.
0: How much of this do you think is down to Randy Orton's injury? Because if you believe what you read online, we were going from Riddle to Orton, to McIntyre at Clash at the Castle, and that's where we were sort of going. And Orton seems to be laid up for a lot longer than they anticipated. So I suppose I can cut some slack if this is a break glass in case of emergency situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely get that. But if your emergency is that you've only got one credible suitor to your champion, then that's an emergency of your own building. That's not There's not like five people have got injured out of nowhere. One person's got injured and your whole main event scene's fallen apart. That, that shouldn't really be happening. And we saw this, didn't
0: we, at was it day 1 where where they had the issue with with Roman Reigns and 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 then Brock has to be brought back and and you know, it's it's just I wondered when I was seeing this whether or not the best situation would actually have been to go with Riddle because he came back did Brock at the end of a really really good credible championship match between Roman Reigns and Riddle on SmackDown. Yeah, you definitely could have done
1: some sort of stipulation match with Riddle, something a last chance or something some you know, you know what jumped in my head hilariously a hair versus hair match no that's not what we want but that's what jumped in my head there um they do both have luscious luscious locks of hair they do they do and oh god now I'm imagine roman reigns bald that's a strange thought oh you wouldn't say it to his face though, so, would you nope. nope um but yeah they could have gone with riddle because where does matt riddle go now? not matt riddle that's not his name where he does riddle go now um, but, but he he has elevated himself. That, that, that shows how you can elevate someone to the main event scene. He was a credible opponent for Roman Reigns this last Friday on SmackDown. There was no one going, oh, he shouldn't be there. There was some long-term storyline booking. He's a great wrestler, and he was pushed and portrayed in the right way to be a main event star and a credible threat. And there are other people in that company they can do that with. It just takes a month, six weeks, two months to give them the build, and they just don't seem interested in doing it.
0: And if you're bringing back Brock to lose, because I think this is a situation as well, I'm not sure anyone expects Brock Lesnar to win this match. If you're bringing back Brock to lose, why not put Riddle in the last man standing match and have him lose? Because you can elevate Matt Riddle at that moment where he and Roman are both down and Roman claws his way up at nine and Riddle gets up and drops and loses clean and he then solidifies himself at that level.
1: Yeah. It seems like a, a one shot done in the main event, he'll be forgotten about again. Like when Cesaro had it before he obviously moved on, those sorts of things. So it does seem like a missed opportunity to keep building Riddle. Um, it does. Also, you've got the likes of AJ Styles doing nothing. But there, there's your answer for me. Throw AJ Styles in there because he has been too long away from the main event scene now. He's been too long away from the title. He is. He is an absolute main event player. He kind of Just he's not forgotten about, but he just kind of won the guys now, you think. And he's not. AJ Styles is, as cliche as is, he is phenomenal. So I I would have thrown him in there with Roman.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Cesaro. I suspect we may talk about him, at least if I have a theory that's right, a little bit later when we talk Forbidden Door here on the podcast. Also talking about John Cena a little later. But you mentioned AJ Styles. I suspect he's been put into the main event scene on Raw, in part because of the man we're about to talk about. It's been a long time since Hell in a Cell, but the ripples keep on coming from Cody Rhodes' injury. We need to touch on Cody and that match and that classic with Seth Rollins and what it's meant to the American Nightmare who WWE put all their chips down on and now he's going to be out for at least three to five months.
1: Yeah, so first of all, even if he... We'll, we'll get to the injury in a second because that's just a whole different conversation. It's a brilliant sell match. It felt like a proper sell match, didn't it? Yeah. It's. It felt like the stakes were high enough. Like, even if it hadn't been... Hell in a Cell time, you could have thrown that match as a third match, the bluff, in Hell in a Cell at any pay-per-view through the years. And it would have felt like it made sense. And that showed, I think, hugely why it matters so much that there are the stakes going into the Cell matches. Uh, it, I'm not surprised Meltzer gave it five stars. The first one the main of Ross since 2011, I think I read. Mm. Um, it, was, it was a classic, and it will go down in all time as a classic. But, my God, that injury. When he took, the, so you read reports all day, didn't you, of Cody's, this Sam to Cody, this time to I was like, oh, is this a work or has he got a minor tear or something? And then he takes that jacket off and, oh boy, only one thing gives you bruise like that and that is a full pectoral rupture. I've seen it in person with lads, it's hideous. And touch wood, I've been lucky enough to never have that myself, but anyone who has, i play with a few lads who have, say it is one of the most excruciating injuries you can have. It just rips off the bone. It just completely rips off the bone. And he's gone, I'll wrestle with that. And not just, he didn't didn't phone in at all. He wrestled his full match. And I know I was reading people saying, oh, he will have been drugged up on painkillers. And he will have been. He will have been, oh my God. He will have been high as a kite on painkillers. But they will have been injected painkillers because they would have to go right there. To get the anaesthetic in, the needle has to go in with nothing, got, n- not numb. It, it, he's feeling it all. The pain he must have gone through. And then even with the painkillers, that is hurting so much through that match. He is, he is made of tough stuff, that Cody Rhodes. He has so little regard for his
0: own body and so much respect for the professional wrestling audience. And look, some people, and and I think probably amongst some, I haven't been that enamoured with Cody going back to WWE. For me, it's just not quite the same as when he was in AEW. If you are watching Cody and what he does to his body, be it in some of those hardcore matches he had in AEW or, or this Cell match, and you don't respect what that man does to himself for us you need to find a different podcast to listen to and a different sport to watch because you're not welcome here that man is untouchable when it I, I just i've never seen colors like it charlie for me it was the color
1: of it more than anything yeah it was so dark there was so much bleeding um and it completely makes sense how he did it in in the gym that's how i've seen it done twice it's it's a hideous thing people are doing weights a bench press and and for some reason their peck will just go, nope, and it pings off. It's, and you can hear it. It's horrible. I've been in the gym and seen it. It's it's honestly hideous. So the fact that he's done that in the week and then gone, mm, yeah, no, I'll do a Hell in a Cell on a Sunday. Um, They're saying he's out for nine months, aren't they? Which is a, it's a bit long for a torn peck nine months between you and me, listeners. That's a bit long. <laughs> he's coming back at 30 in the Rumble, isn't he? I mean, this... he's, he's doing he's doing a 2008 John Cena at the
0: Gardens, and this this is the thing, isn't it? Look, uh, the the personal side of things, the injury to one side. If Cody wanted to come back as the biggest baby face there is, if because we were saying, weren't we? Let's be honest. All right, he's got Seth. The titles are on Roman. How do you sustain Cody's momentum and get him to WrestleMania without burning him out? Well, you wouldn't have picked this way, but sometimes life hands you lemons, and they can make some pretty good wrestling lemonade out of this. And and they've got that match there now if they want it.
1: Yeah, that, that they will be all they will be caring about is that Cody Rhodes is fit and healthy for the Royal Rumble and they can get him through to Mania. He has if they do anything, if he as long as he is fit. To be honest, though, we've seen that he doesn't care about being fit. As long as he can put some sort of match together, as long if he doesn't come back at thirty, and that thing is, it won't be a surprise because we're all predicting it already. But we'll all lose our minds when it happens. Yeah.
0: Charlie underscore Beckett is him, Jack underscore Merley is me. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening to Earning the Push today. AEW talk coming up a little later in the pod as we look ahead to Forbidden Door this weekend. Let's turn to matters outside the ring where news... I mean, talk about just the big stories coming. Vince McMahon temporarily stepping down as CEO and chairman of WWE after the Wall Street Journal unearthed allegations that Vince McMahon paid non disclosure agreements to personnel within WWE, who he had had a sexual relationship with. While that is investigated, WWE has announced that Vince will step down from his corporate roles, although he is still responsible for the creative process. And Stephanie McMahon, who had just announced a leave of absence from WWE, is now back as interim CEO and chair of the company. This is one of those stories where legally it can be a little contentious because an ongoing investigation is happening, although WWE has accepted there was a relationship, there was a payment out of Vince's own funds. This arguably is the biggest story in wrestling this year.
1: Yeah, this is wild. And and to say it's the biggest story in wrestling this year, in this year, is even more incredible because this year has just been bonkers. Um, the whole thing is messy and not nice and not, particularly lovely to talk about is it really it's a pretty horrible subject to have to um to have to discuss um it's huge news though because whether he comes back or not the business and Corpus RW will never quite be the same again now there has been a gap in vince taking over um vince being in charge and stephanie taking over for a little bit it's it's fascinating um and there's so much we don't know about it i'm sure what we do know is Vince is doing some weird things on telly at the moment where he just comes out and doesn't really say anything. It's, I mean, this is where it gets quite
0: uncomfortable and this is where the lines of Vince McMahon versus Mr. McMahon, the character, become quite blurred and quite tricky because the man, the corporate entity, the person who runs the nuts and bolts of that company, has stepped back, and yet the character is coming out on television for no real reason anyone can discern other than to say, I'm still here. Now, I suppose what you could make the argument was that if we were 20 years ago, it was the height of the Attitude Era and Vince was still a character there could be an argument to make about his appearances, whether you agreed with it or not. There doesn't seem to be any reason for these appearances other than to say, I can.
1: Yeah. I I don't think he needs to be on these shows. He came out on SmackDown to say nothing apart from together. Right. And then he came out on Raw to tell us John Cena's back next week, which we've known for four weeks. So this is him going, I want to look like I'm on telly still and I'm still fine. And, it doesn't seem a good taste. Vince should just step back from everything here. If I, if, if I had been Vince, which oh god, I never want to be in that situation. Also, I haven't got three million dollars to pay someone an NDA either. Um, I would have been right out the spotlight, staying at the back, and hoping people think about everything else going on in wrestling and not me. As this story goes along, though, as you
0: say, what we have had our first glimpse of is is. it's distasteful to say, but anyone who knew Vince McMahon always said the only way that he leaves this company is is when he can literally no longer do it, when he can't drag himself into meetings and that's the only time he goes. What we're seeing now is maybe there's another way that Vince McMahon's story with WWE ends And, and we don't know how this is going to play out. We have to be clear, but for the first time, we have seen someone else at the top of the tree in WWE and an inkling of how it could continue without him.
1: Yeah, it would be very interesting, actually, as well, to see behind the scenes how uninvolved he is. is has he stepped down as CEO as in a corporate facility just for the cameras and just for the public? Actually, in meetings, is he still in there? Stephanie sat at the head of the table, but is he still in there, still doing it? Is Stephanie coming straight out of meetings and ringing him, or is he out of the way? Is Stephanie doing it all herself? These are things we don't know and we won't know the answers to. But it is interesting. I think it shows us, the way it's going when he does eventually step down, Stephanie is the one who will take over. I don't know if there's much doubt about that anyway, but now there is none. Um, it, it's fascinating and you would love to be a fly on the wall and see what's happening in those meetings. And who who was the brave soul who told Vince, you, you've got to step down. At the only, You've got to step because I don't think he will have taken that kindly.
0: Well, I mean, we we don't know, and I suppose what gives us license to speculate is the fact that Vince keeps showing up on television. It's not yep. like he's trying to draw a veil under this, but there is an investigation internally, as we know, being carried out by members of the WWE board, but if you think this story is going anywhere and won't have repercussions, uh, then uh, i got a bridge to sell you because you're just plain wrong on that one. Something we also have rumors and speculations about is that Sasha Banks may well... Have been gra- Talk about a big news year. May well have been granted her release in the time since we were last on. When we were last with you, there'd just been the walkout between Sasha Banks and Naomi on Raw. We're now hearing, unconfirmed, but pretty solidly by people who usually know these things, that Sasha Banks' tenure in WWE is gone.
1: Yeah, it's all gone very quiet on that story, mm. hasn't it, from an official point of view, and that would be huge that's one of the biggest female stars one of the biggest stars in the world being granted her release that i'm trying to keep her that's a that's a huge play for wwe that's that's basically wwe saying no one will hold us hostage i don't care who you are you are employed here. you'll do your job you don't just get to walk out on us and if that's your policy and no one's bigger than the company then i like it the problem is all she's done is what countless stars have done over the years and held WWE hostage and they've allowed themselves to be how mm-hmm. many stars have walked out have said they won't drop the title have made demands of Vincent of WWE for money these sorts of things it's a well-worn track in wrestling and this is what wrestlers do now whether you agree with it or not is a different conversation and whether that's how I conduct my business is a different conversation but if they suddenly decide they don't they're going to make a stand over this one it seems a strange
0: tactic to take and maybe it's the other way around. Maybe Sasha's gone to Vince and said, you've been great, it's been great. We've had fallings out in the past that were documented on the Stone Cold podcast. Actually, maybe it's time we go our own separate ways. But the idea that Sasha Banks, who was the woman star along with Bailey in NXT got called up to the main roster, was one of the stars of the women's revolution. That amazing match at WrestleMania 32, match of the night there. We saw it with Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 37, where she and Bianca headlined night one. The idea that she could be going somewhere else, and you've got to think, if she is available, that Tony Khan will be ringing her the moment he can is a huge loss to WWE and that women's division because we always said you could run back Sasha and Sharla anytime you wanted for the next decade.
1: Yeah, they are. When well, they they might have run it a few a few too many times in, in short succession and in the things like 2016 sort of time. Yeah, but yeah, that is a match you can go to at any point. It's like almost like the female version of um, Orton Cena. It got overdone. But actually, if you did it the right time, you could run it back. And it felt like a big match and they always had good matches and those sort of things. And, and you know what will really annoy me if she has gone? We never, ever, ever got the four horsewoman fatal four-way.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's so much left on the table. You know, you look at Sasha versus Rhea Ripley, you look at Sasha versus a, a prolonged feud with Asuka, which I don't remember us having in any meaningful
1: way. There were so many opportunities the, there. The other one we never got that that we won't get now as well, which always confused me, was when they had the WWE Four Horsewomen and when they had the MMA Four Horsewomen signs, when they had Ronda, Shayna, Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir, why we never got the four-on-four four there. The horseman versus Horseman seemed to write itself that storyline for me and they're the two matches that it doesn't look like we're going to get now and I think WWE dropped the ball on them because they could easily have headlined any of their big four main events. War Games. their big four. War yeah. Games Imagine a war built game. Yeah. built for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so look, uh, we will talk a little bit about AEW as we go down the track. We'll also be talking about back to developmental and earning the push. Uh, let's do a couple of other quick bits and bobs from WWE that happened while we were away. Firstly, my least favourite stable, Judgment Day, has had a little bit of a rejig. They—I don't know if they listened to the pod. They called an audible,
1: but Edge is out. Finn Balor is in. Yep, yeah, interesting heel Finn Balor, uh, spooky Finn Balor. Are we getting the demon Finn Balor? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. And I was quite enjoying Finn and AJ being mates, and now they're not anymore. So I, I won't lie, it's not had that much of my attention the last few weeks of Judgment Day. No,
0: nor me. I was just glad that they got Edge out of it. And if if what we're getting back to is um, a proper Edge as a babyface chasing down the heel faction he started, I'm fine with that. And I'm actually okay with the matches we'll get.
1: Put him in in Money in the Bank and let him win it. Really? Oh, Edge with Money in the Bank is the best thing in wrestling. It's tried and tested.
0: Okay, yeah, I I could see that, actually. Um, Also... Ezekiel and Elias, do you have... Oh, it's
1: brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it so much. I know I shouldn't. It's just absolute nonsense and it's stupid. His fake beard's not very good because you can see it's fake a mile off and he can't talk or sing properly because he's worried his fake beard will fall off. But it's brilliant. And it's only brilliant because of Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is pulling an absolute blind to here. With anyone else, I genuinely believe anyone else, this would be utter tosh. And it is utter tosh but it's brilliant Otatosh, Tosh at the moment.
0: Where do we go then, Charlie? Help me, because I I am not...
1: Oh, oh I've no idea. I've no idea what the payoff to this is.
0: But I am not on the Ezekiel-Elias train, and I don't know why. For some reason, I just can't get to grips with it. It is turn-off television for me, and I'm being told I'm wrong. So I accept, I accept I'm accept i wrong with this, but <laughs> do we get a tag-team title reign with e- Ezekiel and Elias?
1: Is that where... I just, I just don't know. I did see something someone tweeted saying, imagine if wwe have played an absolute blind and they're actually identical twins imagine if there is two of them and there isn't unfortunately because if they if wwe had done that i would have honestly been like this is the greatest storyline in all of wrestling ever that he's got an identical twin we didn't know about that's not what's happened oh i have no idea what the payoff is zero idea and i don't know who it's going to benefit but i'm just for once in my life enjoying the ride
0: Let's talk AEW here on the podcast because uh, the the hits keep on coming in terms of big news that's been going on in the world. There's so
1: much happening, Jack. I can't keep up.
0: Are you all right? Do you need to take a break? No, I'm good.
1: No, we've got this. I just, I keep forgetting of stories that have happened because if anyone doesn't know, Jack plans our shows completely. I just turn up and talk. So I get a little bit surprised what we talk about sometimes. And I have completely... like Sasha Banks News have completely passed away. I'd completely forgotten about that until you mentioned it. If this
0: was professional wrestling, this would be a 60-minute Iron Man match of a podcast, and this would be where Charlie just took a powder and rolled to the outside and just <laughs> yeah. caught his breath. I need a few rest holds. Okay, well, well brace yourself and strap in, because there's lots to talk about in the world of AEW. We have to start... Last time we did a, a, an As Live podcast was just off the back of CM Punk winning the AEW World Championship... And then in the week after, he relinquished the title, a foot injury, an interim champion will be crowned at Forbidden Door this weekend. It's Tanahashi versus John Moxley. But let's start with Punk.
1: What bad luck? Just the worst timing. The absolute worst time for him, for us, for AEW, for the title. Just, yeah, there's no other way to say it. It's heartbreakingly bad timing. Um. What do you
0: think of this interim title? How do you feel about it? Because we've seen it done before with the TNT title.
1: I quite like it as long as it's done properly. And by that, I mean, we have an interim champ while Punk's away. And then when Punk comes back, we have one match and the winner of it is the champ. We don't have two belts running around for longer than after that match. that That's what I don't want. When we have two belts running around for three months and two people claim they're the champ, it doesn't work. As soon as Punk's back, I'd have it on the first Dynamite. I wouldn't even wait for your next pay-per-view. Let's just get it done. So I think Moxley's obviously going to win the interim title. Mm. I don't think it's going to be Tanahashi. That wouldn't make sense. Why put your interim title on someone in New Japan? I would have Moxley defend it as the main title for as long as Mm. Punk's out. And if he loses it, the next person comes interim title. And I would count them as title reigns because there is no other champion around at the moment. And then as soon as Punk's back, I would have a match and the winner is the champ and that's it. Do you
0: think... Because I was in Germany when this happened, and you and I were messaging back and forth. And what we were both trying to do is understand, at least initially, how AEW was getting to this new interim champion. And I do sometimes think AEW can be a little bit guilty of, of being too clever by half. If WWE can be too paint-by-numbers, AEW can be too abstract artist, I think. I'm not sure this is how I'd have crowned an interim champ.
1: Well, they made a little bit of a mess with it about it, didn't they, with their presentation of it. It was very confusing, both on commentary, on social media, the way it was done was it was confusing. And I, I understood what, what confused was you have the ranking system and you used it to make Moxley in that main event. Why didn't you just say he's going to face someone at Forbidden Door for it? I don't know why you then had to have someone else face him. And then I was like, is it a tournament? I thought it was a tournament for a while. But then I didn't realise that the new championship was a tournament for a fatal four-way. There was a lot going on, wasn't around the title belts. And yeah, they do make it a little too confused sometimes. And then Jericho saying he relinquished it on commentary, but that's not what happened. He was just going away, but with it. And there's, yeah, it was all a little confusing. We know what's happening now. But there was about a two-day period where none of us knew how many titles there were, who was competing for it, and all that sort of stuff.
0: And also confusing is the way they said, here's Hangman Adam Page, but he doesn't want to be in the match for it. And here's Wardlow, who wouldn't challenge because he's got too much honour. And I'm going, Tony, Tony, I I had a really good analysis of AEW booking from someone. It may have been Kenny McIntosh picking up on someone else. And they basically said, what Tony Khan needs to realise is we're not all as smart, and we're not all as invested as him now. If yeah. he, if someone sits you down, and goes, but X makes sense because of Y, and Y makes sense because of Z, and remember, five weeks ago, that plays into. And look, if that's the style of wrestling you like, great. For those of us who are dipping in and out, or watching just the main shows, and aren't watching Elevation, and aren't watching be the be, but you know, being the elite, whatever, it's quite hard to keep up with sometimes.
1: It is, and the best analogy I can give is, anyone who knows me knows my two huge nerdy loves are wrestling and superheroes. I love them both. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is my favourite. It's 26 films long now, I think, over um, how many 14 years now. When it came to the culmination after 10 years of their biggest story with Avengers Endgame, what it was so clever about was, if you'd seen all 22 films up to that point, you got every single little reference in that film and it was just an absolute fan-serving event. If the only film you'd watched was Avengers Endgame, you still understood what was happening. And that's where AW get it wrong sometimes. You can't just pick up an episode of Dynamite and understand what's going on. You have to watched X, Y, and Z, like you said. What When they get it best, is, and that's what Endgame did, was the more you'd put in, the more you got out of it, the more you enjoyed it. But even if you just picked up that film you still came up the cinema going, what a great film. I really enjoyed that. And that's where Raw is good, I think, sometimes, of you can just put on a Raw and go, oh, okay, I understand why these two are feuding. Now, for some of the smarter wrestling fans, it might be a bit basic sometimes, but you don't need to have watched every episode for the last 12 years to understand what's going on. I think with Dynamite sometimes, and AEW in general, if you miss one segment on one random rampage, then you won't understand the main event of their biggest pay-per-view. And that doesn't compute for me.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think that may be true in some of the build to Forbidden Door, which we'll touch on a little bit later. We'll also, sadly, have to talk a little bit about the Jeff Hardy situation that developed since we were last on air. Let's, though, talk about the moment that created the most buzz for AEW, I think, since the CM Punk debut back in September of last year. MJF's shoot promo after... We saw what happened with Wardlow at the pay-per-view. I mean, blown away. And it seems like another lifetime ago, Charlie, but that was such a moment.
1: That was eight minutes of just... You couldn't take your eyes off it. You could not take your eyes off it. And at that point, I thought, this has started as a shoot and now we're being worked. Because if that's a genuine shoot, his mic doesn't get left on that long. If that's a genuine shoot, I don't think he's going to be... Pissing off the boys in the back that much. Because if I was, oh my god, if I was on the rest in the back, I would be waiting in Gorilla to kick seven lumps out of him after he's back. Cause you what right do you have to go and talk down the whole locker room in the back? What 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 gives you the right, Max? I would be livid. But then we haven't seen him since. I at, at all. And here's where I
0: think. Oh, I don't. Because every time I say this, people come to me and go, You're just hating on AEW. I'm not. I'm really not. I love AEW. AEW is what I watch most of my wrestling of most of the time. I think, firstly, it's a work. And I think they've been too clever by half again. I think what Tony Khan, being the smart wrestling fan, and MJF have done is said, If this really was a shoot, how would we play it next? And they've gone. Well, you wouldn't be seen on TV. You'd be taken out of the opening promos. No one would reference you, and we pretend it hadn't happened, and we just go along. So that's what we're going to do. However, in doing that, all the all the buzz has gone. All, all the, the heat's
1: gone. You've lost it again. Until you said there, I forgot it had happened because in a normal wrestling cycle, you it would keep its buzz around. But there is zero normal about the wrestling world we're living in at the moment. Literally nothing everything is happening so quickly that you take one week off from a story and it's gone. So you have to keep him around somehow. And yeah, the buzz has gone. And when he does come back, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that promo. Whereas it should be the biggest pop we've ever seen that he's back. It's either one of
0: two things. It's either he went over the line, it became a shoot and they wanted everyone to forget it, or they wanted to pretend it was a shoot. And in doing so wanted everyone to forget it. Trouble is we have. And I'm look. I'm, sh- I'm absolutely certain that if MJF comes back, I think when that music hits, we get that, we will get a massive pop and he'll be huge. I still sort of think that was, if you're AW and you've got that lightning in the bottle, that's your week to week story. That has to feature on your television show in some way, shape or form. Or you have to at least make some sort of, Buzz on you know, Max should be tweeting. He should be showing up yeah. on, on busted. Oak. There be should be something to keep that buzz going, if in fact it
1: is a, a a work rather than a shoot. Yeah, and you look, you think about when punk did it, they didn't take him off telly. Summer of Punk was punk and punk and punk and punk, and that's why it gets talked about as the most incredible thing ever. This will be a one-shot and done promo from Matt MGF at the moment that will probably get forgotten about because they haven't followed up on it.
0: Yeah, and I, I hope, I look, I think I think he's going to come back and it's going to be big. I just sort of think you had lightning in a bottle and and maybe too clever. What do I know? Uh, let's talk a little bit sadly about something that did come up while we were off as well. Um, very sad news. Jeff Hardy uh, arrested in Florida, uh, a DUI, off TV, say AEW without pay until he passes a sobriety test. This is what we were all afraid of. And addiction is a horrible thing and I pass no judgment, but this is what we were all afraid of
1: it's it's hideous isn't it and as ever all we all we want is jeff to be well and healthy and get better but i've seen a few things now where a lot of people are saying oh but he's a good guy really and us and the only thing i'd say is against this and people have been saying this online is when do you stop being a good guy getting behind the wheel of a car intoxicating putting other people in danger and it is an addiction and it's him and well but he's got to we've got people have got to help him get better now because this is the second third time in this year I think it's happened it's been happening for years now so I don't want to see Jeff Hardy again until he's better and properly better I don't know how you judge him being properly better I don't know but people are put at risk when he does this himself obviously but other people as well when he's on the road like this and it's happened too many times now for us to to bring him back four weeks later and say oh he's done a small rehab program he's fine now it, it, Jeff needs proper, proper help. And if that means we don't get to see Jeff Hardy wrestle again because the wrestling enables it and being on the road means that this is what he does, then that's really sad. But that's what has to happen because wrestling can't be put before the health of anyone. We need we need Jeff to get better because, like I said, this happened too many times now.
0: Yeah, and it, it would be true of any walk of life. And, and, and there is no judgment here from, from, from me, certainly, because I, I know a little bit about this type of thing and I know how tough it is to shake... But you can't keep going on TV. You, you just can't. And I, I think the issue as well is, is that Tony Khan... Look, and you can't judge Tony Khan for it. He, he took a chance on someone who said they were better, and clearly Jeff isn't as well as he thought he was. He's, he's had a slip. He's had whatever you want to call it. But, you know, Tony Khan's going to be feeling burned, and that's probably in the list of things that matter. It's probably nine or ten beyond Jeff getting better for his family and friends, but Tony Khan's going to be feeling burned.
1: Yeah, from a business point of view, Jeff isn't... If you go purely on business, Jeff's not a good investment anymore because you can't trust him. You he's not a reliable trust... investment, whether he's no. good
0: or... you just you, look, If you get Jeff Hardy clean, sober at the top of his game, there is no better investment. But odds are you don't know if you're getting that. It, it's like this mystery box you open and you don't know what's in it. You look purely at that
1: week. That, that whole dynamite was built around that triple threat ladder match and we didn't get that match because because of what happened. So you, from you my business point of view, there's why it's not a sound investment at the moment.
0: Absolutely. And look, as always, we send our best to Jeff Hardy and his family and we hope that he gets the help he needs and the support he needs. And he is in a place where he is healthy for the long term. And we certainly send all our best. So Forbidden Door this weekend in Chicago, if you wanted a a card for a Chicago crowd, I'm not sure you could do better than AEW and New Japan coming together as one. On a level of one to ten excitement wise,
1: where are you, Charlie, for this pay-per-view? I don't really know because... I'm not a New Japan fan. I don't watch New Japan, but I know who Tanahashi is. I know who Okada is. I know these boys can wrestle. I know who Will Ospreay is. I know Zack Saber Jr. I obviously know the new um the AEW roster. The matches are huge. They are it's exciting. I just I don't feel like I've really invested in the build because it all just seems like it's been like, ah, here's your show. So I'm probably at like a I'm not even considering staying up for it, which puts it not at eight, nine, ten. I'm probably at a six. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably.
0: Pr- I'm probably about the same. And this comes back to something we were talking about earlier with with engaging the audience. I'm certain there are New Japan uh, devotees out there who, who are shouting at their device right now. They can't believe that we're not as excited as they are. But for those of us who've watched a few Will Ospreay matches, for those of us who've seen a little bit of Tanahashi, but not much more... There's not the level of investment that you'd necessarily want. You're going to get value for money. I mean, the card is insane. Mm. And yet it's that thing we've always said. Do you want a match between two characters you care about who may not be the most technically gifted? Or do you want two of the most technically gifted wrestlers in the world in a build that's been subpar? And you take the first one every time. Yeah,
1: I, I would agree massively. I think there's a lot of assumed knowledge again of you know what Bullet Club is. You know the history Adam Cole has with Jay White and the Bucks have. And we don't all know this. We don't. And it seems a weird, weird call f- from my point of view to take the IWGP title off Okada before this. Mm. Especially when Paige came out and called out Okada, then put it on Jay White and now Adam Cole's involved. It's all a bit of a mess. And, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one. It, it, I have zero doubt it's going to deliver. And there'll be matches that we are talking about being all-time classics. I'm gutted that Danielson can't wrestle. Yeah. Because him versus Zack Sabre Jr. would have just been technically like nothing we've ever seen, I think. They would have been doing things that you, you've, you don't know what they are. Um, but apart from that, the matches are going to be unbelievable, I think. And if you want to watch a wrestling show for just pure enjoyment of the matches and not understand the stories, maybe this will be as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it is, It is. look, you're going to get, as always with AEW pay-per-views, you're going to get value for money. You're going to get fed well. You're going to leave feeling like you've got a full belly and and you've had a really good meal. It's just the recipe hasn't quite been what, what... And look, there's a bit of bad luck in here. There really is, because we were meant to be getting Punk Tanahashi and you would have probably got a very different build and a very different feel. And then we come off that, and next week on Dynamite, we heard William Regal say it, Blood and guts we're getting on Dynamite, which is going to be brutal.
1: Yes, they are good, because it's going to have to be, because it's going to have to somehow be more brutal than Anarchy at the Arena, like we said last time we were on. Um, who do you think Danielson's bringing? I think Cesaro. Yes, yeah. I think so too.
0: I, look, it's funny, we're not saying Gargano, because Johnny Gargano's out there, he's not doing anything, He can, but when you say the best technical wrestler in the world, as good as Brian Danielson, there are probably a limited number of people. I thought Samoa Joe, maybe, but Joe's already there under contract, so probably not him. I think it has to be Cesaro, and who doesn't want to see Cesaro, Zack Sabre Jr.?
1: Yeah, I, I, I sign me up for that. It, it's got to be Cesaro Gargano. There's, there can be no one else to that hit the criteria that Danielson, um, Danielson uh, spoke about. And definitely off the back of it, we definitely get Danielson versus whoever that is because when he's back, he want to prove that he's better whoever his replacement was. And yes, give me those matches, either of them. Yes, do, please.
0: Do you put Cesaro? Let's assume it's Cesaro, and I think that's that's look nothing certain I think it's a safe bet do you put him in the Blackpool Combat Club just just for a little bit or do you just say he's just bought in as a hired hand because Regal and Cesaro sorry to cut across you also have that
1: history from NXT it's a really good question I just hadn't thought about it um yeah I think I would actually I think it makes sense for him to join that faction it would it would make sense and then they're just a pure wrestling faction that like to beat people up. Yeah, I, I would have them in there. I think that would be that would make sense. Just William Regal's big bruiser boys, just beating people up. It would be good. I'd enjoy seeing it. Look, before we get on to earning the push
0: and back to developmental, a quick mention uh, for TNA, uh, Charlie and myself don't watch much Impact Wrestling, but Impact Wrestling this past weekend celebrated its 20th anniversary. There were many, many points along the way where Impact didn't look like it would reach its 20th anniversary. It has, um, and fair play to them, because they seem to have turned the ship around.
1: Yeah, they're in a good place right now, it seems, after a few years of really quite struggling, especially with the pandemic, which is now... No no surprise to anyone. Everyone everyone struggles with the pandemic. Um, TNA, Impact Wrestling, have so much that we need to be thankful to them for. There are so many wrestlers now who are the huge stars that they are because of what they did there. And when WWE didn't want them, there was somewhere for them to go and wrestle and earn a living and put on some great matches. Mid-2000s, TNA is just something else. Some of the wrestling in that is outstanding. So I've never been a week-to-week fan but i've picked up shows i've gone back and watched matches and it, it's a great product and like I say it's in a good place now which it's only a good thing for wrestling the more wrestling companies we have in a good place that can provide wrestlers with a living and provide fans with good wrestling content to watch the better
0: yeah, absolutely. And uh, fair play to WWE and AEW for letting the likes of Sting and AJ Styles record those video messages. It's it, Again, that's something that started happening only relatively recently in wrestling that we're grateful for. Now, before we do earning the push and back to developmental, uh, not so much fantasy booking, but we started talking on the back of this Kate Bush Chart Revival on social media not long ago about great wrestling packages. And Emma on social media said, you need to at least devote some time in a podcast to great wrestling packages and great wrestling promos where the music fits the moment. Do you fancy doing some of that for the
1: next couple of weeks? Yeah, that sounds fun because some of the best bits of wrestling is a good promo package. They are, and WWE are the undisputed kings and queens of it. They are, I don't think any company of any brand any industry does it better they are phenomenal how many i don't know if you have a pre-match
0: playlist do you do you have a pre-match playlist of songs to get you hyped
1: um i don't because i used to and i used to get far too superstitious about it and i had to listen to a certain songs at a certain time and it was just very stressful so now i don't i leave it to our pre-match music is done by the younger lads in the group because i'm not one of the young lads anymore which is sad i'm old now in the group and some of it i'm just sat there like this isn't music this is noise
0: You are the oldest young man I've ever met. It is ridiculous. And speaking of oldest young men, some of Charlie's earning the push in the past have been new slippers, uh, blasting the the patio clean with stuff like Mm. that. So let's do it. Everyone's favorite part of the show, earning the push and back to developmental. Something from everyday life we love that is non-wrestling related. We want to see more of and something that needs to go back to developmental. First or second this week, Charlie.
1: I'll go first for this week. Go for it. Uh, Because loads has happened since we were last on. and lo- Honestly, some weeks I come to earn the push. And I'm like, I get to literally this point and I don't know what I'm going to say. And I'm like, oh, oh I'll, I'll guess something. Okay. But the last few weeks, I've had loads of good stuff happen. Loads Hit me with a few then. then. Well, uh, the main one I'm going to give is, I'm going to put two into one. I want to give a big push to both Jet 2 Holidays and the uh, Ramada Windham Resort in Kusadasi in Turkey because... It's the first time I've ever booked a package holiday because I was tired and a bit stressed at the end of the season and work. And my girlfriend was the same. She booked the week off. And we just wanted zero stress on our holiday. So I was like, I'm going to pay the money. And it was very reasonable as well. I can't believe actually how reasonable it was for the holiday we had for it all to be taken care of. And I was a bit sceptical because I've never done it before. But Jet 2's package holidays, from the moment I arrived at Birmingham Airport to the moment I landed back at Birmingham Airport, I have not got a complaint. They were out, and I love complaining. <laughs> they were outstanding. Um, the flight was great. I had more leg room on a budget airline than I've ever had in my life. Um, they were great. There's loads of issues at airports at the moment. It seems I didn't encounter any of them. Um, the staff were extremely helpful. Then we got to the hotel. Yeah, we stayed at the Wyndham Resort by Ramada in Kusudasi. It was stunning. The Wyndham Rotunda brilliant. Resort, surely. Was it run by Bray Wyatt? No, it wasn't. Bray Wyatt was not running it. which would have That would have been a of the. He sure was just there with
0: a mask welcoming me. Sure i my in. girlfriend
1: would have been too impressed that. I'd put you to a wrestling hotel. Um, <laughs> Someone yeah. out
0: there has just taken that idea, by the way. They've gone, the Wyndham Rotunda. Let's
1: do it. Put me in the suite. I'll be there. <laughs> um, yeah, so just a brilliant whole day and couldn't recommend either the hotel or Jet 2 highly enough. So big, big earning the push to them. It was exactly the whole day I needed. Uh, but back to that mental is I've come back to England oh. and normally you can play about the weather being rainy, but Jack it's too hot. It's just too hot in this country right now because we're not equipped for hot weather. We don't have air conditioning. We don't have pools and everyone's like, Oh, you'd stop complaining in these hot, we get it 40 degrees over here. Yes. But you have all the things to cope with that. Yeah. We're useless in this country. We can't cope with hot weather and God forbid it snows. Cause we can't cope with that either. We're not equipped. So I'm melting at the moment. I'm absolutely melting.
0: And not only are you melting, I ha- I do know that preseason training is upon you. So yes, you do... I don't
1: need to talk about that yet. How how tough has it been? Uh, well, I'm in off season at the moment where I'm doing my own training. Well, RS and C set it for us, and it's tough. But I just know because this is this is my 11th professional preseason. I know that nothing I do now pairs with how tough it's gonna to be in ten days time. It's just awful. So I'm gonna be a grumpy man the next six weeks.
0: Count yourself lucky that you're not playing for the Jersey Reds anymore, where I'm I'm pretty sure they sent you to a beach once. And I know the Cornish Pirates will sometimes do beach preseason
1: training, which is another it was, level It was four years ago yesterday because Mark Best shared it on Instagram. Ah we did the most hideous session of my life where there's this sand dune in Jersey at St. Juan's Bay that I genuinely think is just a sheer face. It's so steep. You can't, so we're meant to run up it. You have to crawl at the end on all fours. You can't walk up it without crawling. And we would wrestle at the bottom with each other and then sprint up. And then you had to do the running with 10 kilo plates over your head and then wrestle. It was just, I remember we were like genuinely laughing at the end of the session because it was just hilarious. They're like, do it again. I'm like, right, fine, because we're all already dead. Won the lads. Uh, genuinely, it took him an hour to get off the dune. He was just there. He was like, I can't move. I still think his soul is there. A bit of his soul is still there.
0: Forget Helena. They just need to go, you're going run to the- run the gauntlet. Yeah. Death on the dune. Death on the dunes. Let's book it. Um... Right. For me, uh, I am going to uh, obviously give a big push to the good folks at the NHS who helped deal with this thing. As I was leaving, I thought this is amazing. I've been here four hours. They've patched me up. I've not had to pay a penny apart from the car parking and it's all free. So good for the NHS. I'm giving them a push. But really, the push I want to give is to the Queen and Paddington Bear who... When I was in Germany, I I tried to stay off social apart from putting some photos up. And I I I just look on Twitter, see what's going on. And the first thing I see is the Queen pulling a marmalade sandwich out of a handbag opposite Paddington Bear. And whether you love the monarchy or the monarchy isn't your thing, at that point, I thought, God, I love my country. That only we would do this. And the Queen seems to have a real love of sketch comedy.
1: Yes, because... She did obviously the 2012 Olympics with Daniel Craig. It seems and anyone who knows her, which I don't, seems to say this as well. It seems she has a brilliant sense of humor. The Queen. Yeah, it I mean, seems like she's very funny. Not only was she do- look, I'm sure
0: she wasn't writing it. I'm sure that there, like she that'd did- be a turn-up <laughs> for the books, wouldn't it? If actually she writes it. Screenplay by Elizabeth Windsor. Yes, additional yes. cat. I'm sure that, but it was also the fact she was tapping away on the older doodah for the um to set up the Queen stuff, and I thought. Can she get nominated for a BAFTA?
1: Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it?
0: Wouldn't you love just to see the four people on the screen as they're opening the envelope and that the winner is, and she doesn't win,
1: and she's got all- she's (laughs) just livid. She's (laughs) livid. She can't do the fake nice. She's livid. I always think that's a funny moment in life. When the people who've lost, especially, it's like the Oscars. It's the big, like, it's winning the World Cup, isn't it? Winning the Best Actor or Actress Oscar is everything you want to do when you become an actor or an actress. And when they don't win, and they just have to be like, yay! Leonardo DiCaprio is excellent at it, (laughs) because he's not won a lot. As someone
0: who has lost, although not to the degree of the Oscars, who has lost at a lot of awards ceremonies, I can tell you that you get good at it. You
1: do get quite good at going, "Uh oh." I'd be more impressed if someone showed their actual... how how annoyed they were, really. That would be more impressive if someone's like, ah! And, like, flips a table, and is, like, just screaming in how
0: angry they are. I did once, not not flip out. Flip the but table? No, no, I was, I was quite cross about something. It had been a long day and, and we didn't win and I, I stormed out, not stormed out, I went to get some air and I didn't know that after our award was a musical interlude so I left and I was like, I can hear Travis and I went back in and they booked Travis to perform, so in my strop oh, I missed a whole of Travis.
1: That will that'll serve you right if you're on a strop. And
0: back to developmental for me are these NHS slings. I have not got a clue how to wear them. They're ve- have you ever had to wear one of these? Uh, touch wood I haven't actually, no. They're, they're basically like Ikea, but Velcro and, and fabric. And they I cannot work out how to get them on straight and not twisted. So I've just given up on it. I'm not even bothering wearing it. They're an absolute nightmare. So although I praise the NHS with one hand, sort your slings out. Because for numpties like me, they're a nightmare.
1: It does happen a bit with physios. So you do an ankle injury and you get given a moon boot. And the physio's like, right, obviously you need to take it off to shower. And then just put it back on and you just look at this boot and they show you how to do it. And you're like, that is very simple. I'll be able to do that at yeah. home. You just look at this boot and you're like, I have no idea where to start. And you get into physio the next morning and they're like, it's giving you no support. <laughs> you're like, yeah, and I don't know how to put it on. Same, like, I had, um, I'll had, i tell you a really embarrassing story quickly. There's these, there's these amazing, amazing machines called game readies that are um, basically they're ice and compression machines all at once. And they are unbelievable for recovery. Anytime you have an injury, they get put on you because ice compression for swelling. Um, I remember I uh, had I moved to Leicester within within a month, needed a knee operation. Had my knee up, had the game ready. Like you have to game like three times a day, half an hour, non-negotiable, get it on. But I was only 16, so I wasn't trusted to take one home because like five grand pieces of kit. And I remember being in the physio room and the physios had set it up for me. And then this time they were too busy and also I was gonna be using for three months. You gotta learn how to do it yourself, Charlie. So they were like, Right, here you go, Charlie, set it up. So off I go, about to put it on. And I just couldn't work it out to the point where I was like, ah, right, I need to get it higher because obviously the water has to come down through gravity. We've got to run in. We've got to run in from the dog. The dog's here. Here Sorry, comes auto. Here comes auto. It's okay. Yeah. Hello, are you coming on the screen? No, he's not. He's going to wait. Sorry. So I was like, oh, you need gravity. But it's long story short, I hadn't plugged it in. <laughs> And the whole Leicester Tigers first team, including my idol, Tom um, Tom Croft, was like looking at me going, you're an idiot. <laughs> I've seen some stupid people in this academy. You are the most stupid I've seen. And did, I was like, wow. Did it have an obvious plug point, Charlie? Yes, mate. I had like a 3 prong thing <laughs> that you put in the wall.
0: <laughs> well, look, um, I've got more uh, for earning the pushing back to development next week about my arm. Um, I'll tell you about my arm condom I have to wear to shower, which is... <laughs> All good fun. Honestly, if that's not the hook for next week, I don't know what is. <laughs> if that isn't the hook, come back next week where we'll start doing great wrestling. Oh, we haven't even talked about the
1: fact that you spoke about Hook. Oh, yeah, on my other show. On your other podcast. Yes. Is far more popular than this one. We had Anthony... And then it started doing the rounds around wrestling social media
0: that they're mates. We, we uh, had Anthony Bowens on the other podcast, who was an absolute gent and very lovely, and I thought, I have to sneak in a Hook question, and I did... Um, I don't think he knew it because it was because I thirst after Hook. I was very professional. Uh, and apparently they are mates. And it started cropping up on all the wrestling news websites. So we're making you This is news.
1: the start of you and Hook meeting. This is how it starts. Oh, my God. No, he's too much you're, mad. you're mates with Hook's mate. All it takes is one social gathering when they're in England. Which
0: also means you're mates with Hook's mate, who's mates with Hook's mate. You're one degree further
1: than me. And then... Hook, who is Hook mates with name an Dory that I could be mates with? Maybe me and John Moxie can start hanging out.
0: Hook will be mates with Andrade. Andrade is married to Charlotte. You're six degrees of separation from Charlotte Flair. And there it is. And there it is. That's the perfect time to wrap this one up. Next week, we will do reaction to Forbidden Door. We'll do great wrestling promos and packages. Uh, and we'll do whatever else crops up in this mad time for professional wrestling. Until then, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen today. Follow him. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. Follow me. I'm Jack underscore Merley. Tell your wrestling mates about what we do here. And we'll see you next time on Earning the Push. Until then, bye-bye.